we needed to jump into this offer because this offer would give us so much money. And within two years, we lost a huge percentage of customers' funds to this investment partner because it went down. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To join me, go to myworstinvestmentever.com. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guests, Valerian, Daniel, Adeboye. I'm going to call you Daniel. Daniel. How are you? Are you ready to join the mission? Yes, thank you. I'm ready to to join. I'm ready to you know share my story, share my experience, and I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to you know feature on this podcast today. Yeah, and and you came to this podcast in a unique way in the sense that I saw you post something on LinkedIn, and I said, hey, maybe you ought to come and tell your story. So that's the background. Let me introduce you to the audience. Daniel okay. was a CEO and co-founder at FNK Savings. In five yeah. years of operations, FNK Savings was able to onboard over 35,000 users while processing over $4 million in transaction volume. FNK mm-hmm. stopped operations due to many factors, some of which were simple mistakes by the management team. Daniel is currently consulting and branding whilst still open to new opportunities in emerging markets. He's a tech enthusiast, a financial and business consultant, and determined to help people make better business decisions. So Daniel, take a minute and tell us about the unique value that you're bringing to this wonderful world. Yeah, thank you. Once again, I'm thankful for the opportunity to feature on this podcast. And I think for me, I um, just as you said, I'm a financial enthusiast. I'm a tech enthusiast. I Anything finance, anything technology, you know, my head sparks. I want to, I just want to get involved in everything. But I think that most importantly, very, very special about me is I am an executioner, you know. I do not, yeah, I believe in planning. I believe in strategizing. I believe in, you know, having meetings. But most important for me, which most entrepreneurs or business people miss out, is executing their plans or their strategies and all those things. And that is where I come in. In most cases, that is where I help businesses. And that is one thing that most people love and appreciate about me. I don't just talk. I plan. And most importantly, I execute. Mm, excellent. Yeah. And what's the environment like there? Maybe tell the audience where you are and you know what what is the the financial environment like before we get into your story. Yeah, I'm in Nigeria, oil states to be precise. Mm. I'm based in Ibadan. Ibadan is aside Lagos, which we know to be the economic capital of Nigeria. Ibadan is one of the fastest growing tech and financial hub. And, you know, we have a youthful population and our tech population is growing rapidly. Currently, we have a lot of non-financially savvy young people. Businesses are just, you know, learning how to save, invest and prepare for their financial future. Not so many financial, many of the fintech platforms, you know, financial technology platforms are situated in Lagos, Nigeria. And, you know, some of them are beginning to realize the potential of oil states and they are coming down here. Of course, the adoption rate has been low, 
it has not been fast as you know that of an average Lagosian. But I believe that Ibado is coming up. We are coming up though low, mm. more like uh, technically we are like five years behind Lagos. But with government intervention and with rapid financial inclusion, I believe that we are ready for the next big team. Exciting. I just want to give a yes. shout out to all of my friends in Nigeria. I have a lot of students who have taken my valuation masterclass boot camp. And one of the first one was a guy named Rashid. And he basically was facing some really tough odds when he was trying to take the course, but he managed to be the, the kind of the number one student in that particular group. And so, you know, I've just been really happy to be able to connect with the Nigerian community and young students, as well as people working in banks and other places. And, you know, the the desire for learning and the passion for learning and the dedication is great. So I appreciate that. So, well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Okay, thank you. First, I would like to, you know, have to what you said about Nigeria. We are very hardworking and, you know, we are dedicated. I know there might have been some bad press about Nigeria, but for Nigerians ourselves, we are determined to, you know, change the story. And I'm sure that we are working towards that. You know, for for me, it's, I remember the conversation on LinkedIn and, you know, you asked some question and it sort of brought back the memories for me. And I was like, uh, you know, it goes beyond these things you've listed. There are things that, or maybe because of the entrepreneurship climb of Nigeria, it's because the ease of doing business here is not that, you know, remarkable. And so you find out that, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs have to, you know, go the extra mile, have to do 10x of what their counterparts in developed countries are doing and have to take their decisions you have to take on the spot. Now, in I think I'm going to start from my university days. I I partook in so many activities in school. I was the auditor general of my faculty for two years. I did some internship jobs with some financial platforms. So I had basic knowledge of finances. And while in school, I was, my pocket money was very, very good. I had a lot of money coming from my parents. You know, I Mm. wasn't struggling. And I found out that despite my financial or my supposed financial knowledge, after school, I didn't have enough money saved. I, you know, I probably was a reckless spender in school. And, you know, after school, I wanted to start my business and I realized that I didn't have enough money to start. As at that time, my parents, you know, felt like they've done enough for me to be okay through school. Now it's up to you to, you know, push yourself <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, push yourself and, you know, get things done. And I then realized that, oh, while I was I was in school, I was making a lot of money. What happened? I wasn't, you know, saving enough. I wasn't planning for life after school. And that is a mistake that most university students make in Nigeria. So the basic, the problem we wanted to solve at the beginning of FIK savings was to help young students prepare for their financial future. You know, that was our value proposition. That was a problem we realized that we identified that we wanted to solve. And, you know, I, I had somebody that we wanted to work together, you know, like a business partner is a Ghanaian, is Kwame, 
Folari, and that is what led to F and K, Folari and Kwame, you know, and we joined, and he did economics in school. So I knew that, or I felt like, oh, he had basic knowledge of economics and, uh, you know, we could, with my knowledge of finances, his knowledge of economics, we could, you know, join our heads together and solve this problem. And, you know, it was at that point where startups were coming and they were getting funded. And so we felt like, oh, we can actually play in this space and do something incredible. And that was how it all started. We started very well. We started manually because we were broke. Uh, you know, we had to find ways to get things done. We got some people on board. We shared the dream with them. And, you know, we within two, three years, we had remarkable growth. Right. Because it was actually a problem. It wasn't a problem that we guessed. It wasn't a problem that we were just, you know, thinking about. It was a problem that we experienced, that we went through ourselves and that we wanted to solve. And, you know, so it was easy for us to communicate, to share our story with those students and tell them, how it is. Oh, we are out of school already. We know how it is. You are not out. Let us help you to plan for when you'll be out of school. And so it was It was fantastic. And, and was, a lot of people was the, were, what was the interaction that the students, the clients or the customers had? They were interacting with an app. They were interacting in live events or how, how did it work? Yeah. So at the beginning, like I said, because we were broke, we didn't have money to build an app. So many of the processes were manual you know, oh, do this, we go from place to place. You know, Nigeria, a lot of things are done manually sometimes, go from, to, take the cash from them, put it in the bank on their behalf, give them a, a sort of receipt, you know, that they were using. But within a year, within 18 months, we were able to build an app, you know, so all you had to do was go on the app, create an account for yourself, sign up, create an account, create a plan. It could be a year, it could be an after-school plan, you know, we were getting partnership deals from companies who were ready to partner with us. Oh, you can warehouse your funds with your customers' funds with us. We could invest it for you and, and everything. And I think that that was where our problem started, right? Along the line, we sort of forgot about the basic reason why we started the platform. We wanted to grow so fast. We saw that a lot of startups were growing fast a lot of them were raising money and we felt like this is an opportunity for us we had some conversations and within a few months we realized that we were spending so much on hiring because oh we needed to build the best app we needed to you know get the best team and these people don't come cheap and we were bootstrapping we were bootstrapping, meaning that funds that were meant to use to grow the brand were used to, you know, pay people, get some consulting stuff. And that was where the problem started. We now saw ourselves as, we now started telling people that we're a full-fledged financial institution, you know, because investors might want to talk to us or come to our office. We started spending more on setting up an office space and, you know, that started affecting us. And I think we exposed ourselves too much. In we had this partner at that time, this investment partner, who came with offers that were so amazing. And we felt like because we wanted to grow too fast, 
we needed to jump into this offer because this offer would give us so much money. And within two years, we lost a huge percentage of customers' funds to this investment partner because it went down. And that was like the beginning of the problem that we had as a company. You know, I could list them some of those things. I've talked about we wanted to grow too fast. I've talked about the fact that we started exposing ourselves to so many people. We had partner A saying this. We had partner B saying this. We had partner C saying this. We had partner D saying this. We were confused. And we felt like, oh, let's, let's, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. And when you begin to grow too fast than your original plan, you know, a crack begins to come, especially in a financial platform where you are warehousing people's funds. And that was like the beginning of a problem for us. Another very, very important thing that I think was a major problem for us was we did not do a lot of legal frameworks. We trusted in our abilities. We trusted in ourselves. Oh, you you are young and agile. You can do whatever it is you want to do. Oh, my partner, you are young and agile. Also, you can go to this place, go to this place. You can take a walk. You can talk to this person. You're very, very good with sales and marketing. So you do this. And so we left a lot of documentations, legal frameworks undone. We felt like, oh, I trust you now. You can sort this. And we, we ignored the part that when it comes to actual business, you know, you don't miss pleasure, you don't mix family with business. You go through with basic business principles, you know, and that was another serious problem for us. Now, another thing was, I felt like we didn't have enough foresight. Now, foresight in the sense that, you know, you can start very well with a good idea, but are you able to think about certain things? Are you able to put yourself in a situation that is five years from now? Or oh, how is it going to be? Mm-hmm. How are you going to solve this if this happens? You know, we're just going. We're just going. We wake up on a Monday. We go to work, push, get customers on board. We come back home Tuesday. We are back in the office. What can we do to get more customers? We were just focused on customer acquisition and customer retention that we forgot about ourselves mm. and we forgot about what was what was happening internally we were just focused on let's just keep onboarding new customers and by what i told you you could see that we did well with customer acquisition yeah. we did well with customer retention we did well with the cash flow but we messed up with basic business principles which would have allowed us to stay afloat and continue to win the market how did it go you mentioned about the investments that was being made, they lost money on the investment. What were they doing with the money? And then, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I think that was about a year after we started operations. And, you know, during one of our our marketing programs, um, we had some people, we had bankers, commercial bankers who would come with us. Oh, guys, we know you have money. We can warehouse these funds with you and give you these interest rates. Mm. But, you know, those interest rates were not enticing to us. We felt like they were too small compared to, you know, 
and they would not allow us to grow fast. And there was this other company who came in, they were into agribusiness, importation and exportation, financial services and all. Oh, we can do this and we can give you this certain percentage on a quarterly or a per annum basis. And we sat down among ourselves internally and thought, oh, this is good. This is what we need to help us scale. You know, oh, if we are not getting investors, if we are not getting equity investors and this company is coming with this offer, let's just go into it. So we did not do proper deal diligence. We just talked about the fact that we wanted to grow. And that was the only thing we thought about that led us to partner with that company. And when they went down, we tried to do so many things to, you know, get the funds back, but it just did not work. Can you remember the first phone call or discussion you had when you started to realize that they were losing the money? Yes, I remember it was sometime around December. So, you know, operating a financial platform has taught me that towards the end of the year, we have a lot of customers who want to take their funds out, Mm. right? So many people want to use it for the festive period, for Christmas, for the new year. You know, families are coming together, so expenses will increase. So a lot of people want to take out their savings or their investments and all. So, you know, but be proud to that anytime I make a call to them, I'm talking about our investment partners. Oh, FNK, welcome. We know you have this amount with us. Do you want to withdraw this? Do you want to do this? You know, it was always so smooth and interesting. And, you know, we it gave us so much confidence that they knew about our portfolio. They knew mm-hmm. our name. They knew what we were doing. And they were even ready to continue to do business with us. So it was around December. And, you know, I just made a call. And I remember saying, oh, I called his name and I said, we have some amounts due and we would like to withdraw this certain amount out so that we could sort our customers this period. And the first question he asked me was, oh, is it time? And that sort of alarmed me. I had called you previous time and you would be the one telling me what to expect. You would be the one telling me, oh, this is what you have. This is what you can collect. This is what you can do. And so why is the conversation changing? Why are you asking me if it is time now? And that was the first sign I had that, oh, this company, there's a problem. Something is going on. I remember I called my business partner that day and I said, oh, this is what I heard. And, you know, we just we just felt like, oh, well, let's give them the benefit of a doubt. It might be that the person wasn't in his right mind and everything. But, you know, two or three months after that, they went down completely. And what happened? Did it just that they made bad investments or did they actually um, take the money? Yeah. Or So I think the problem started with the founder. As we were told, the founder made some wrong investment decision and, you know, at the end of the day, he could not account for these decisions. And, you know, he had to he had to move away from Nigeria. He left even his employees hanging and nobody could reach him. And out of the blues, nobody saw him till today. Oh, and what were you, were you able to re- get back any of the money? Okay, so we we tried to do, like I said, we tried to take so many steps and... We could not get even a percentage of those funds. Mm. And like I said earlier, that was like the beginning of our problem because those were customers' monies. Those weren't our our funds. And we needed to find ways to, you know, pay them because people, when it comes to money, people don't want to listen to excuses. Yeah. 
I'm going to get these amounts now. This is what I expect. And so we found ourselves in a, I would say that year was a very crazy year for us because we had to rely on families and friends to raise some money. Oh, we need this money, just give us. We need this money, just give us. In fact, for some people who still had money with us, we had to enter some conversations with them that, okay, you know, don't take this money out. If you don't take it out, we are going to increase your interest rates. For some people who we got loans from, you know, credit facility, because it was emergency, we got it at high rates. Mm. You know, we got it at high rates because of the short time frame. We got it at very, very high rates. And that sort of piled up the debts that we had. And, you know, businesses run, businesses continue to run when they have enough money. The company went down because the debt rate was too high. We made some wrong investment decisions. We were spending too much on servicing the debt. Mm. And also, we did not, internally, we did not fix ourselves. We did not agree on some basic things. And some things were not done right. And how did it end? Okay, so last year, like I said, we went down last year. Last year, we... You know, we had been managing the situation. We started some conversations of getting equity investors who could, you know, get buy off the debt and, you know, invest in the company for shares and all. I remember that we had conversation with Get Funded Africa, an accelerator program, startup bootcamp. We were in conversations with Baobab Network and some other ventures capital and some other funds like that. In, in 2021, one of them promised to do business with us if we met some certain criteria, which we also spent money to try and achieve. You know, we could not meet up with the time frame. They opted out of the conversation. And so we found out that the debt margin continued to expand. It continued to expand. It continued to expand. And so last year, it reached a point where we could not meet up with clients' obligations. We could not meet up with them. And I think somewhat last year, we had some regulatory compliance issues. The payments gates we requested for some documents, which we did not have. Mm. And our account was suspended. We had some internal disagreements about how some things should go. There were instances of some mismanagement of funds from the investment team. And, you know, we just had to let all the customers know, see, we are in distress we have to close shop for now and we have to explore other channels to pay you. So what we did was to just stop paying out. We stopped taking in money. We mm. stopped paying out. We just wanted the debts to stay at a particular amount so that it would be easy to know that is because you can't keep using debts to service debts. That's that's wrong. You can't mm. use debts to service debts. You just have to you just have to stop and let them know we're in distress. We now have to find other ways to pay you. We can't keep going like this. Mm. Going like this means that, you know, we are putting ourselves in more trouble. You know, it, there were a lot of outcries. There were a lot of, of disagreements. There were a lot of dragging. There were a lot of anger from clients. But we just had to do it because if we didn't take that step, would be in serious, very, very serious issues today. And where... How did it end up wrapping up and, you know, where is it now? Okay, so currently we are, we are still in the process of 
you know, selling off remaining assets. We still have some assets, landed properties, which needs to be sold. We are trying to do a winding up. Winding up means that we can legally sell off these these assets. The court would, you know, employ the services of a litigator who would then reach out the remaining clients and then funds will be getting paid to them. So tell us, how would you summarize the lessons you learned from this experience? Okay, so for me, I would put it down to two or three basic things. Number one, when in business, don't mix pleasure or family with business. Stick to basic business principles. Just stick to it. Forget about, oh, they don't like me. They're not going to like me. As a business person, they are not meant to like you. You are going to offend a lot of people. So just stick to it. Stick to it. Forget about, oh, this is my partner. This is my brother. I have to please him. You are not there to please anybody. You are there to please your customers and your team. That's number one. Number two is don't forget how it started. As long as you feel connected to what led to that idea, the problem that you are going to solve, you know, you are going to keep going. Don't forget how it started and everything. And then number three is understand your business environment. I think one of the mistakes that were made, we probably should have visited people who have done similar businesses and failed at it and try to learn from them. Learn from people and have guts. Guts, very, very important. You can do business without guts. So Mm. those are like the four very, very important lessons that I learned from my journey. And maybe I'll just share a couple of quick things. I think one of the things that I've learned in the financial world is the importance of risk management. Yes. And the second thing is understanding whenever you're taking clients' money, that that Mm. is so, so serious. Very serious. And, you know, it's different from, you know, your own money or even in your investor's money. When when an institution is taking in people's money, it's really based upon trust. And you can see, you can see where the reputations of someone like JP Morgan in America happen and Hmm. some of the big bankers, because they never, ever let their clients down. And that is the key thing. Trust is so critical. And then Mm -hmm. the third thing is, you know, it's just, it's fascinating because in places like America, as an example, here in Thailand and other places, the regulatory environment is so, so tough that you probably Mm -hmm. couldn't even have started it as aggressively as you did without all the risk measures in place. But I suspect that because of the regulatory framework in Nigeria, they're just that you know, there wasn't that structure. Structure, yes. Yeah. So, and I think about too, when I get involved with businesses and help people and talk to people, it's Mm -hmm. almost all about risk management. Yes, exactly. It is. So let's, let's now think about a young person like you has a lot of energy, has ideas Mm -hmm. of businesses that they want to start. So based upon Mm -hmm. what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? You know, when you talk about one action, it's sort of because there are so many actions, but I'm going to talk about one. one. I'm going to talk about one, which is trust yourself and nobody else. Mm. You know, I, if I had trusted myself and everything that I knew and I was ready to 
believe in myself 100 percent mm. you know we'll see how we continue today yep so okay. yes trust yourself and nobody else and nobody yeah. else yep good yes. advice what is a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners okay so yes i'm going to the resources would be some social media pages because that's where i'm going to be sharing entrepreneurial stories tips and you know things lessons i have learned over time so mm-hmm. yeah it's ibadon startups ibadon startups uh, ibadon startups is on twitter it's on linkedin it's on instagram thread facebook you know so from time to time if you will follow the pages follow the accounts we had some technical difficulties at the end of this interview i just want to thank daniel for joining the mission And on behalf of A Stats Academy, I hereby award him alumni status for turning his worst investment ever into his best teaching moment. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, saying, I'll see you on the upside.